Hartford, Connecticut, Funny Bone, July 30th, 31. Get your tickets. Hartford, Connecticut, Funny Bone. I'll see you soon. And August 5th through the 8th. This is a little bit down the line, but I'll be there. Side Tampa, splitters. Florida, side splitters. What did you get for Father's Day, buddy boy? Uh, oh, we ate at McDonald's. <laughs> well, there you go. Father's Day, you had a little Mickey D's. Yeah, my wife said, anywhere you want, it's your day. What would you like for dinner? And I said, McDonald's. And she was like, okay, that doesn't surprise me. So we went to McDonald's. And here's the thing. McDonald's is one of the last restaurants you cannot dine in still. So because you can't dine in, we just sat in the parking lot and ate McDonald's on Father's Day. So that was my that you, was big You just love when you're on the road. Uh, when I'm on the road, I'm like, fuck, I can't wait to get to a real restaurant. When you're on the road, you're like, there are restaurants everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm very excited to get to eat like shit. <laughs> But I found a great, a great um, cold brick oven pizza place here in Nashville called DeSano's. I believe it's what it's called. And uh, it's they have like three cold brick ovens, fresh dough. Everything's fresh. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's one of the best pizzas I've ever had. And I finally found great pizza in Nashville. What did you get for Father's Day? Well, so here's the thing, Steve. Um, I, I am not going to listen to what you think is great pizza because you don't know. Now, do you? Now, you don't know. <laughs> Because let's be honest, Pizza Hut's your favorite, Mickey D's your favorite. So uh-huh. never. So we don't really know that when Steve Burns says, this is my favorite pizza, all it has to be is a little dough. <laughs> general, general true. tomato sauce. And, and it just got to be kind of salty and chewy. And it's oh, bad. No, you Ain't that right? Like- you make it seem like I'm happy if you put ragu on 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 Wonder Wheat bread and and you sprinkle some frozen mozzarella. No, I like a fresh good pizza. I mean, I do like Pizza Hut because it's nostalgic for me. McDonald's is nostalgic for me. And out of every five meals I have for McDonald's, one of them is sensational. And the other four kind of like it's hit or miss. It's, it's really the- somebody somebody leaves the bun on. I mean, and somebody toasts the bun accidentally or something like that gets yeah. you a little gets you a little excited because they change things up a little little extra special sauce. Well, here's what here's what the most infuriating thing that can happen to you at McDonald's is when they don't salt the fries and you're half a mile away. It's like, well, fuck, I'm not going to turn around. I might as well. I'm just going to eat these. Awful, plain, bland fries. Or, or you just you just take a left turn at any left turn and go to the next McDonald's and go ahead and get yourself some fries. That's a great idea. Yeah. Now we're thinking. That's right. What did you get for Father's Day, Brian? I didn't get a thing for Father's Day, which is bothering me. You it just dawned on me. It just dawned on me. My kids didn't get me even a card, and that bothers me. And and I was also uh, well, I was also in New York City because. I had to do stand up in Albany to support right. my children. So Wait. I had to take a gig in Albany. Even so when, had, even what's that? What's that? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me go through it. Now, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. I, I had to go to Albany uh, okay. and I had, well, I had to fly to New York City and then drive to Albany. I had to drive yeah, to yeah. Albany, which took me five hours because of traffic, oh. Friday traffic in the city. It took me an hour and 40 minutes to get out of the city. Yeah. I had to drive to Albany. And then um, and then I did stand up and in Albany, you know, stand up is in a mall and it's a little bit challenging there. It's it's I love the people and I love the club. It's just it's just there. Yeah, but your comedy is made for that. 
It's yes. Physical. It's, it's I have comedy. I have mall comedy. I have yeah. mall comedy. And we know that. Go to the limited, get your Cinnabon and go see Brian Callen. I get it. So anyway, either way, it was, it was Monday. I saw my children after not seeing them for a week and I got I got nothing. I got nothing. And I'm going to just it's a selfless job being a father sometimes. It's a selfless job. They didn't even give you a card? No. And, you know, maybe my ex is mad at me. Who knows what goes on, Steve? But either way, I'm apparently a piece of shit and not worth even a card. And I might be the only father in a long time. That's, But you know what? The important thing is I don't do anything for my family or my kids. That's right. So they can keep living in Santa Monica and have whatever they want when they want it. And I'll just keep sitting on planes. Was there a, a, any acknowledgement from the kids? Thank you, Papa. We love you, Papa. I got a video from my daughter. I got a video from my daughter. And it yeah. was. Uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, happy Father's Day. It was nice. Yeah. Do they love you? <laughs> no, no, they no, they don't. No, they don't, Sam. They don't. And uh, and that's OK. I've made peace with that. But I will continue to be the father that I am. And you have to just keep loving your kids and showing up for them and taking care of everything, pay for everything. And, uh, and I'll keep doing that. Cause that's my job, my duty. And I'd have it no other way. Sometimes well, being a parent is a selfless endeavor. Of Don't course. expect. How much love do you get from them on a scale of one to 10? How much love do you receive from them? And on a scale of 10, how much do you give to them? How about that? So well, um, I, I, I always tell my children, I love them and they're the most important thing in the world to me. So they know that. And I, I, to the point where I turned down jobs that, yeah. you know, I used to, I turned out a really big job because it was going to take me away from the kids for more than two weeks. And I go crazy if I'm away from them. And, um, so I think my kids know that I love them and they're the most important thing. My right. daughter doesn't like me. Um, and that's okay. She's 13. Uh, but my, uh, my son, yeah, my son's about to turn 10 and he's, kind of turning on me now he's kind of like they, they're just not interested in you as a i'm a 54 year old man i don't have much to offer i have nothing in common with my kids i don't know how to i don't know how to talk about anime and, and video games you just yeah they're going to want to tell you about those things i think kids are wonderful until a curly one ends up on the soap and that's what <laughs> you're right and then they well, get to college and they come back around. So there's a good 10 years where it's the lost weekend. They're going to disappear for a while. They want nothing to do with you, but they'll come back around and, and, and appreciate you. And I, yeah, I, I yeah. see you around your children. I think you're very affectionate. You're very supportive. You're very stern. I think you're a wonderful father um, to hear that your kids. <laughs> well, it didn't bother me until I talked to a bunch of other dads and then what did you get? And I was like, hi. I come to think of it, I come to think of it, I got fucking goose egg. Oh, that is and hilarious. I was like, and that's when it bothers you. It's when you get nominated for the Oscar, but you don't get the Oscar. You weren't even thinking about the Oscar. And then you, you get nominated, but it doesn't happen that you go. Like my friend uh, no, Patty you're said. Nomination, okay? <laughs> you're not in the conversation. You're not they in the conversation. Patty, Patty Jenkins told me that when she went to the Oscars and Charlize Theron won an Oscar, yeah. she was like, she was like the director of the movie, but she like she was like, there are still four losers at the party and one winner. So people are a little somber. Oh, <laughs> I was like, uh, think about. It. Yeah. 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 Well, I, 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 I'll tell you, my kids, they know how much I love French fries and they got me a, a very nice air fryer. But given the fact that you, you've been such an inspiration to me, I'm the lowest I weighed since 
pan, my peak of pandemic. So I'm Damn. coming down, but I'm, I'm using a lot of, um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of vegetables in the air fryer. So Brussels, I like it. Asparagus, uh, wow. peppers, and it's been an experimentation every day with trying to uh, put something new in the air fryer. And it's like, let's try this. So I think we're going to batter Oreo cookies at some point. <laughs> so we'll see. I like that. And you, uh, and, 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 you know, the, with an air fryer with fries is that there's no grease and no that's grease. got to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I the think- fries turned out really good. And, and, and you can tell like when you're eating them, it's like, Oh, this is so much healthier. I mean, it's still kind yeah. of. No, uh, it's good for you, but in and out, in and out, I think they might air fry their fries, which is why I don't like them. McDonald's has the best fries because they fry them in oil. That's right. Say that again. McDonald's has the best fries because they fry them in oil, that's in fine. lard, or they used to fry them in lard, which they is the way you should fry that. flies. But that super size we came out. So I want to ask you some on, on uh, how are things going with uh, Brendan? Because you keep posting pictures and videos. And I was just wondering how, how things are going with your ex. Hey, come on, man. Don't call him my ex, dude. No, it's your ex. I, I, I you know, I, it, like I, I became the new girlfriend and now like I'm still kind of like still I'm, you're still my I'm, girlfriend. I'm side chick. I'm side. No, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. Office floor. No, no, no. You'll forever be my girl. You'll No, you're my new girl, baby. You're my new girl. You're my new girl. No, no. It's for the funnies. And it's like I hope. Here's the thing. I just want you to be happy. I just want you. You're so intense. Look at your face. I don't believe your eyes. My mother said your face is smiling, but your eyes aren't. Your eyes um, are dead. Your eyes no, are dead. Hey, his, 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 mic, his mic is coming in and out a little bit. Is that is that going to happen on the podcast? It's recording separately, so I can just boost his mic. But oh, we can here, boost me... it. It sounds very tinny. It's echoey. Cause... You want to get that off? Hold on. You see what's going on? He goes, you want me to get closer to it? We can't hear to it. What is he it's using? What did you have him by? Because Zoom will, Zoom will automatically lower. Like if you start talking right now, okay. or if he starts talking right now, it's going to like boost whatever one or lower whatever ones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stevie Moore, let's go to some... Um, Let's go to some questions. Let's introduce this this segment, right? Yes. Let, you know, as much fun as we have pontificating, yeah. traveling down tangents that we find fascinating. And I want to say this real quick. Thank you to everybody for appreciating Big Mike coming on on, on uh, board the podcast. Uh, that was one of the best receptions we've had in a long time. Uh, it, I it's love it. to do the show, but uh, but hearing the knowledge that was, uh, you know, relates to all the, all the folks out there. I think they really, really appreciate it. I, I, I had a great time with them as well. And Brian, uh, you acknowledge your father on Father's Day. How about that? What I, I, I did. I called him. I did not send him a card, but we had a long talk. Yeah. And, uh, and I always let him know that he's been a huge influence and, uh, and you know, you know how I feel about him. He knows how I feel. We have a great relationship. We just joke around. You know, you have a good relationship when you don't have to tell somebody how you feel about him. Let's put it that way. That would be weird. I think there's that. There, there's that. But then my father and I are extremely close. We we say we love each other all the time. Yeah. It's different for everybody's got a different relationship, obviously. But my my father's always been extremely affectionate because he grew up with alcoholic parents and you know, never had, you know, that much of a fraternal um influence. He kind of did things on his own. So I think once. I came in the fold. My brother came in the fold. He really kind of uh, 
took it as an opportunity to give me everything he didn't have. And so it's, you know, there's your dad, a- your dad and mom did a fucking whatever they did. They did a great job. I, I said to I got a text from you. I got a voice message from you. I was with Dove Davidoff yeah. and I looked at Dove and I said, Steve Burns, the best fucking dude I know. He's the best person I know. I meant it. You're you're inherently so decent. And it'd be one thing if you were decent and a dumb dumb. Like so some people are just dumb. They're like, <laughs> you know, people are just, you know, puppies are puppies are nice to everybody. Right. right? Yeah. And 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 that's and they're like, oh well, he's just, you know, he's a little bit slow and he's just a sweet guy. That's not the case with you. With you, it's um you're you're not that you're not you're I always said this. You're not a pushover. You're not a beta male. You're not any of that shit. Yeah. You, you know, you're you're you've got a lot of self-respect, but you have an inherent decency for what and, and a deep, a deep understanding or at least a commitment to what's right and what's wrong. And you stand up to what's right, no matter fucking what I've seen it. Oh. And so uh, that is called character. And it's called being principled. And I've never seen any confusion in your brain as to who you are or what matters. That, by the way, yeah. is a rare thing. It's actually rare. Add to the fact that you're very funny. So, you know, to me, I appreciate you, buddy. And I know you're a great father because I've seen you with your I'll kids. I, I appreciate everything you're saying. I feel it's likewise. And my question to you is, is this outpouring of accolades due to the fact that you keep posting videos of you and Brendan wrestling around in the office? Is that I, why? I have only posted three of those goddamn videos. And that's all I've done. That's all I've done. Let me say. But I appreciate it. And I'll say I'll say this. The reason I think you and I have remained such good friends over the course of 20 years is that I inherently saw those characteristics in you from an early day back in our days in New York City. And I know we've talked about it on the podcast the first time we met, you were kind of lacing into this girl I was on a date with. But the minute you found out I was a comic, you kind of ditched her and honed in on me and talked to me for a good 10 or 15 minutes. And then you were about, you know, you were I about- just, I, I didn't want to make her fall in love. And that would be unfair to you. <laughs> no, that's well, not- what happened is I fell in love. That's what yeah, I yeah. fell in love when you that's were- That's right. Well, I said that. I said, I said, yeah, I said, well, she's, she's very close to falling over the abyss here. Let me pull back. Let me pull back. My feathers. Let me let me tuck my feathers in. Let me tuck my feathers in. Really, this yeah. isn't fair because it's too bedazzling for any human eye. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and all I did was I just shifted my feathers over to you and you went, what? Huh? I thought I was straight this whole time. Huh? My lashes and I stood differently and I was like, huh? Yep. Huh? Yep. And your, gr- attention? and your girl was like, hello, I'm standing here. And you were like, oh, I thought you were a cup of coffee. Well, we broke up over you. That's what ended up happening. Yeah. That's what happens, buddy. So, so, so we have a new segment on the podcast. What we're doing now is, you know, I've learned this, Brian. I'm sure you know this after being on the road. But now that I'm kind of immersed along with your fan base, there's a lot of young fans, young men coming out to the shows. And I've said this repeatedly: if you come to the show, find me after the show, say "Man Dragon," I will get you a shot of whiskey. And it's been the curse of my existence since God I've done that. <laughs> I've had multiple guys come up to me after shows going, hey, burn, man dragon. I'm like, oh, fuck. OK, here we go. 
And so I will, I will stay with it. I will stay the course. I had a bad few weeks where I got a little overserved, but listen, we, what we love doing is, is hearing uh, questions from you guys, whether they're pertaining to advice you'd like from two men that have lived life. Uh, so please keep the questions coming. And if you want to ask us anything, if you're anything, advice, relationship, just video submit to big and hungry podcast at gmail.com. And we will That's answer right. your questions as we're about to do now. So I'll let you take it away from here, Brian. Amen. Oh, here we go. Steve, uh, just uh, sending a little video to ask for a bit of advice. So um, I am 22. Well, I turned 22 in a couple days. Um, my girlfriend is 23 years old. Uh, we've been dating since high school when I was a sophomore and she was a junior. So we've been together like seven years. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but long story short, um, she has some pretty severe mental health issues. Um, I'm actually, I'm just picking her up. She had to go somewhere for a couple days to kind of recuperate a little. So, uh, just asking, uh, what, what advice would you give when, um, you know, stuff is kind of getting hard and you got to just deal with it for a little while. Um, you know, she, she's able to like have a job and stuff, but it seems like every month she has to take like a week off, um, just to kind of recover and everything. So yeah, uh, just asking any tips on just kind of getting through the, the hard times. Yeah. Have a good day. Mm. Ooh. Okay. Starting off, uh, right out of the gates with a, with a serious one. Well, as a uh, mental health professional and go on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're both, we're both doctors. Um, look, I, I would recommend anybody who has been dating a girl since high school, I guess since he was 15, first off, happy birthday. Cause you're about to turn 22. I would strongly suggest to anybody that's been dating somebody through high school and into college or into your college years to, is going to be hard to hear to break up, to break <laughs> up and date and experiment, kick some tires because the more you so get just out, leave, leave her in, leave her in the dust is what you're saying. Hey, Hey, you know what? Just say bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, not be not even if she, if she was the greatest girl in the world, I would still be recommending this. You got to go out and experiment. You got to go out and date different people. You got to go out because it's only through that. And I think it's like that great line in fight club. You, how are you going to really know who you are unless you got in a fight? And I know so many guys have never been in a fight, but it's true. It really sets the parameters of like, okay, that's the line. I can't cross that line anymore. And I think it's the same thing with, with dating. It's like, you're really going to decide through dating this girl who's a little high maintenance, this girl who's into clothing, this girl who just wants to read, this girl that is big into restaurants and just wants to talk about herself. All those experiences will help chisel your character and find out what it is you truly want in life. Uh, and I don't think you can get that dating the same girl for seven years. That's just my own personal perspective. But I, I'd love to hear what you have to say, Brian. Well, that was um, terrible advice. And here's why. <laughs> well, he's... Would you that's easy. a girl since you were 15 and you married her? Do you think you ultimately would be happy? Because every guy I went to college with Every guy I went to college with that got married out of the gates is divorced now or unhappy. When when I'm going to I'm going to answer that question this way. When Frank Sinatra 
was tried to kill himself over Rita Hayworth. I think he was going to try to jump out Ava the window Gardner. or something. Ava Maybe. Gardner. And, and, and I think it was Dean Martin or someone said, break up with her. And he said, that's easy for you to say. You're not in love with her. And right. our boy here might be in love with this woman who has a mental health issue. You're getting him dating advice. We're talking about mental health. And, and he's dealing with somebody he loves probably and he knows very well and grew up with. Yeah. And he clearly has a sense of loyalty and love for her. Right. So the, the choice is to abandon her or, or how do I deal with somebody I love who has uh, a condition that no one really knows how to deal with, including right. her and him. And so, so, yeah. still be there for her. Still be there for her. I, look, if he loves her, great. As long as he's happy, right? That's that. If, whatever makes you happy. You know, be there for somebody. I, I understand. I went to the left of the question. Okay, yeah. I'm but, I'm here to answer his question, which is how do you deal with the fact that he's in love with the woman, and he's very serious with her, obviously, and she I, has meant serious mental health issues. The problem is, my friend, I, I will only say this. I don't know anything about mental health issues. I, I, I have dated people who had those some issues and sure. and I don't know how to fix that. And one of the hardest things in the world, dude, and maybe even especially as a guy, because we tend to want to fix is realizing that sometimes you're in a relationship or you're in a situation that you cannot fix and that you right. cannot have any influence over. And that's a that's a motherfucker. That's a really hard thing. And then to Steve's point. You have to decide if your presence is helpful, if it's a hindrance, and you have to ask yourself if your presence in her life is helpful to you or is it a hindrance to you? And if it is a hindrance, how much and is that hindrance worth it? The, you, the, so all I have to do, all I have to say is I can only provide you with questions that the only person that can answer them are is yourself. Unfortunately, in these situations, sometimes you're the only one who can answer that question. But if you love somebody and they have mental health issues, there are people that overcome these with drugs and with whatever. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's not his responsibility to 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 get her on track to the road to recovery. Well, he probably he probably can't. He can't. That's professional. And I think my point is I was I was answering his question, his micro question in a macro way. It's like, here's the bigger issue. Right yeah. now. I also think when you're in a relationship and you're younger, I wish somebody told me this when I was younger. It is about self-preservation. You know, a relationship, you have to be selfish to your needs, ultimately go, am I happy here? Is this relationship benefiting me? Am I a better person for it? And if that person is giving you those attributes and you actually are selfishly better and, and, and it the selfishness bleeds into a symbiotic kind of relationship is my point. And I think the more selfish you are, it sounds, it sounds oxymoronic, but if the more selfish you are, the better off you are in a relationship. It will only help the relationship at the end of the day. That, that's, I, I think you understand what I'm trying to say there, Brian. Yeah, I do. I get it. I get yeah. that. I get that, man. And that's a question. That is a question, but it's a tough one, man. It's a tough yeah. one. It's like, it's like being in love with an alcoholic or a drug addict, man. And if you're in love with an alcoholic or a drug addict, sometimes, you know, you want them to get better and you 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 love them. And it's really hard to walk away. And sometimes you can't walk away. I mean, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just can't, man. Sometimes you just for a thousand reasons, you're not that kind of person. You can't do it. And uh, 
And that's the other thing I'm coming to realize is that it's one thing to say you should do this. It's another thing to think, what, what price am I going to pay by walking away? Yeah. Some people cannot get out of mental health issues are so serious that obviously we know this people take their own lives. And I, I, I know there are support groups. I would say maybe fuck. The only thing I can say is, is, is if you see them, it can be really frustrating when you see them actually doing the opposite of what they should do when they have a mental health issue, but that comes with mental illness. What comes with mental illness a lot of times is more self-destructive behavior. That is a symptom of, of, of mental illness. So a lot of times you're like, well, eat better, sleep better and all that. Well, guess what? They have mental illness. They can't do any of that stuff. So I don't know, man. That's a that's a motherfucker. It's I would I would strongly suggest get selfish. You know, young man, look at yourself in the mirror and go. You know, ultimately the decision to get healthier is her own. And if she's seeing professionals that are help her, wonderful. That that should be that. You can be as supportive as you want, but if you're not happy, if ultimately you're not happy, then then get out. If it's causing you strife, then get out. You can be supportive as a friend. Look, my brother. Well, what if it? What if it's helping? What if it's making him happy three weeks of the month and then miserable one week? That's the problem, right? That's the that's the problem. I, I have some personal, you know, investment in, in what he's dealing with because I'm about to film a documentary about my brother and I. My brother and I have never had a great relationship. He is my brother. Uh, I love him because I have to because he's blood. But he did come back from Iraq. He did live with me. And my wife and I discovered he has PTSD. So over the course of a year or two, he lived with us and he's never been somebody who's been motivated. We've had a an incredibly fractured relationship over the years. I mean, Liam and Noel Gallagher are, you know, the mozzarella sticks to the T-bone steak that my brother and I. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, Steve. I didn't know that. Really, really put through the ringer. And it got to the point where I I was as supportive and the, the, I was his greatest cheerleader throughout the course of his life. From the time I was in college up until... Up until recently, he, he's finally got his life together. He's in a good place, but I'm about to do this documentary with him. And it was an issue where I said, I've got to pull out. I can't do this anymore. And I was giving so much to him. My wife said, look at what it's doing to you. Step away. And I did. And ultimately, it did. It, it was better for us in the long run. And he had to go on his own journey. And I was leading the charge of trying to get him to see professional help. You know, AA meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And now he's finally in a better spot. So, I mean, that's maybe pretty that's amazing. Possible. That's that's spoken. Look, you that's spoken. That's spoken. Yeah. From somebody who's been in the thick of it, you know? Yeah. That's a big deal. Uh, that's that's spoken from somebody who's actually. Um, so, you know more about it than I do. You know more about it that, that you're more qualified. Yeah. So I hear you. What Steve said, <laughs> what Steve yes. said, young man. All right, let's. Well, I mean, but it goes back to what I said. It's like you you may have to realize that there's nothing you can do and they have to do it on their own. Yeah. They, you know what I'm saying? That the That's what I meant is that the hardest thing to realize is that in some things you are not the solution and right. that you are um, there, that, that, that you are powerless. And that's a motherfucker. For me, it's been impossible to accept about certain things in life. Sure. Yeah. I've, I have um, trouble with it, man. Yeah, I, I mean, the older I've gotten, I, I still want to be supportive and be there for my friends, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think ultimately, if you do get, you know, just uh, 
a hair selfish, it'll only help you at the end of the day. And I, I think that's coming from a guy that's coming from a motherfucker who's the least selfish person I know. And that's you. But I yeah. hear you. Yeah. And, and same to you, my friend. Same well, to you. you know, I mean, look, and we both paid a price for it in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, It'd just be yeah. nice to go to dinner with Brian and him pick up a check once. But let's take the next what question. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? Are you saying I got alligator arms? You <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> go ahead. We got another question here. Nice hair. hair. So Ali, great, Ali great for, question. Thank you, Ali, for referring to me as all the other guys. Um, <laughs> a big fan. <laughs> uh, Ali's got, Ali sounds like he's, um, first of all, he looks and his, his name uh, would, would suggest he might be Arabic, uh, maybe yes. from somewhere. I'm going to guess somewhere in North Africa. Uh, but he also has what sounds like, does that sound like a German, French, or, French. or English accent? Maybe a French accent? French, I bet he's from Canada. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess he's Algerian. He's French oh. Algerian. That's my guess. Yeah. But what I, and the reason I bring that up is because Ali has at least two cultures, maybe three cultures going on in his life that he's been exposed to, that he understands on some right. level. And, and a lot of times when you're someone like Ali, you, you are a product of, of histories and governments that, were not democratic that a lot of times were um, somewhat oppressive. Right. And so it's, it's, it's an important thing to say. So I appreciate Ali's question on cancel culture. Yes. Look, look, I believe in fighting these things. I believe in fighting a bad idea, which is cancel culture with mm -hmm. a better idea. And that's already going on. Um, I, I, I worry that technology can either free us or enslave us. And if you look at the Chinese model, it's enslaving us because you are getting a social credit score. How loyal you are to the Communist Party can be tracked on your phone according to the number of shares that you create on, on how you comment on what they say. And oh, by the way, if you are around somebody whose phone has a low credit score, your credit score will fall. So China is doing an excellent job, always has, of controlling their billion plus people right. through technology, through their Wii phone and all that shit, which, of course, I think is is evil, immoral and very dangerous. Yes, I think the United States is is in danger of this kind of Stalinistic Maoist thinking where if you don't tow the party line, Rogan was talking about Hollywood. Rogan was talking about how everybody in Hollywood is, is liberal. That's because you can't get a job if you're not. So right. what happens is you tailor your opinion to the winds that are blowing it. When you have American idol that fucking essentially fires a child 
at 12 right. years old, this kid was seen sitting next to somebody in a KKK outfit. Right. And he's 16 now, still a child. And what you fucking spineless pieces of shit did was you canceled him. You fired him. Oh, yeah. He left on his own. Get the fuck out of here. Right. You, we are so you're not doing anything to stop racism, by the way. Racism is not. I mean, I, do you know anybody who's racist? I mean, the, the, the idea that you wouldn't pay for your life, even children are being canceled for sitting next to somebody who was wearing a white hood. What are we talking yeah. about here? Well, and and shame, right. on, somebody, shame on them. So you have to fight it and voice it. And all I do is shout about it and say, fuck you, because I believe in fighting. I believe these people are dumb. I don't believe they're as strong as you think. I don't believe they're as organized as you think. And I believe that this is a fight that has to be won. And that can be one and should be one and will be one. And, and I'll die before I give up. To, I'll die literally before these motherfuckers take my country away from me. I think some of the most racist things I hear. I'm, look, this is not going to win me any favors in the industry I work in. But some of the most racist things I hear are from African-Americans that are in the industry that are prominent that say that they will not work with white people. They will not hire white people to be on their films or in their writer's rooms. I mean, you have Mayor Lightfoot out of Chicago saying she wouldn't answer any questions from white reporters. Um, and I think as much as there's, she the, could, she's also married to a white woman, which is hilarious. It's so it's, fucking bizarre. It, it, it's just crazy. I think there's, I don't know what racist is anymore because the term Racism or racist is subjective these days, meaning it can mean anything to anybody. It, you, know, it, you could somebody could say an off color joke, a harmless off color joke, and you could be considered racist for that and lose your job. The woman who ran the sun or whatever, this this diversity, this asshole diversity guy, yeah. this diversity expert, this diversity auditor came to the fucking office was having his makeup done and overheard a joke about blackface. He overheard a joke about blackface. So sure. he says, which I don't believe. And and the the woman failed to do what he considered to be a proper investigation. She had debated him in good faith and then they mm -hmm. fired her. This is this is um, this is group madness, group terror. And sure. it's 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 fucking it's fucking outrageous. Let's oh, make sure that Lori Lightfoot or Mayor Lightfoot actually said that, Anthony, because there's oh. been some contention about whether or not she actually said it or not. I want to make sure she didn't. I, it's I, was in Chicago. I was in Chicago. They were debating the the issue on Winnie City Live and two of the African-American members of the panel, one gentleman who was white or Latino, both women were proponents of what she was saying. And I was just like, I, I, I like, I can't believe this is where the pendulum has swung so far the other way. I understand, especially in Hollywood and entertainment, what the what the role of diversity is. It's about opportunity. You know, people want opportunities as much as anybody else in Hollywood to have their stories told. I'm a, I'm a huge fan and proponent of that. Absolutely. No, they're, think, they're into equity. There's a difference between equality and equity. There equity never, is look let, let's just put this out there right now there will never be equality in hollywood in the united states of america there never will be because whites are over 65 percent of the population so just from a numbers standpoint equality will never happen it, it's not going to happen if you want opportunity i am absolutely for that but the facts are simply this there's no such thing as equality in terms of racial demographics and numbers just the numbers alone
I'm not saying you don't. Well, don't you, Asians make up three percent or something like that? But I don't know. I mean, I know that. Yeah, I know that black are twelve percent or thirteen percent, but yet they make up fourteen percent of the incoming class at Harvard. What racism are we talking about right now? We're not doing a good job of addressing all these things. We're not. Mexicans, Latinos are fourteen to fifteen percent of the population, and they are the most underrepresented in terms of you know pop culture, everything we consume in terms of entertainment. They're the least represented, I think, and most underserved community in this country. What? Hey, what did um? Did Laurie Lightfoot actually say that? Was that her name? Laurie Lightfoot? Mayor Lightfoot? Yeah, it's Mayor Laurie Lightfoot. And then what? What? She said she would not take any questions from white reporters, reporters from white reporters. People I want to make sure if that's true, because they, they denied that she said that. So I want to be fair because I don't want to do what the media was doing to Trump, you know. Um, but okay. anyway... This but is anyway, yeah. matter we could talk about for days and, and I'm about to ready to film my new hour. And there's a big part of it that I that I dress in my uh, new hour. So I'm looking forward to getting that out there. But um, yeah, are we. Yeah, I, I would say I would say um, the reporters now they're caught in the middle. Chicago's mayor limits interviews to reporters of color. She's married to a white woman. It was meant. So it's the second I was a. In the letter sent Wednesday to local media, Lightfoot argued that the overwhelming maleness and whiteness of Chicago's press corps in a city where roughly two thirds of the residents are people of color did not adequately reflect the population and was a detriment of local media coverage. As a person of color, I have throughout my adult life done everything I can to fight for diversity and inclusion in every institution that I've been part of being mayor makes me uniquely situated to shine a spotlight on this most important issue. The announcement quickly became a Rorschach test for Chicago reporters and residents, while snap judgments of Lightfoot's decision caused some conservative media to decry her as a racist. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. She didn't actually say that. All she was saying was that there is an overwhelming number of reporters that are white and male. So she didn't actually say that. So that, this what? is what we. There's an overwhelming number of people in this country that are white. So I don't yeah. understand. Like this, it's like you know when when you see these footage of like. Black students on campuses going, there's too many white people. I feel uncomfortable in this room. It's like literally going into the woods, complaining there's too many birds here. It's like, get used to it. Well, no, I, I would say, though, I would of, say, though, if, 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 yeah, but if the majority of the murders, and this is true in Chicago, if the majority of the merger, murders and crime is black on black crime in black neighborhoods, South Side Chicago, et cetera. Sure. And we know this, it's crazy. The gang but, shit is crazy. 100 people a weekend being shot. Uh, seven kids killed, I think, on the weekend of the BLM mur- uh, marches. I mean, it's crazy or the weekend right. before. So so the real threat to black people is actually black on black crime in black neighborhoods. We can debate why that is. Doesn't matter. But the bottom line is, I think what she probably was uh, what as a mayor, I would want questions from black reporters who lived in those neighborhoods, who understood those neighborhoods on a level you can only understand when you live there. So for me, I sympathize, but I'm, I'm, I'm I knew that there was more to that story. So she, what she's saying is that, you know, look, I'm getting questions, but it's not a good reflection of my city. If you really want to know what's going on with my city, talk to the people in those neighborhoods that have to deal with that shit on a day to day basis. And that would be black reporters that live there or at least are uh, or should be who who not only live there, but know people there and have had a similar experience. Sure. That, that's where I can see what she's trying to say. Right. So if yeah. you have a if you have a white male guy like myself who went to Harvard or went to University of Chicago and has never really actually even been in those neighborhoods, which exists, 
you're not going to get the kind of media coverage you need. And that that's what she's probably saying. So I think yeah. that that's all that's, that's where I, that's where I, that's a good point. I sympathize. Right, yeah. let's, let's, but can, uh, back to cancel culture. We'll go to the next question. Cancel culture. Cancel culture is, has always existed in one way or another. If you were gay in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and even nineties, you would not get promoted. You could lose your job. You could get the shit kicked out of you. Right. If, if you were trans, good luck. 50% of them killed themselves because life was impossible. So sure. it was very hard to be, if you were Asian, my God, if you were Asian for most of this country, the, the history of this country, and I can remember it very well up until about 10 minutes ago, it was acceptable to make fun of Asian people. It was, sure. it was acceptable and there was a lot of black on Asian hate and, uh, and racism. And that's mm -hmm. a fact, too, because a lot of Asians talk to Koreans who open up their bodegas in black neighborhoods, which they sure. did talk to them during the riots of L.A. I remember all of this. So the American experience is is synonymous in many ways with triumph and digging yourself out of a hole, rags to sure. riches and all that. It's also it's also contentious. It's also yes. a melting plot. And people are tribal and people have problems with each other. And it used to be that if you weren't part of the large white majority that ran everything in this country, if you were Jewish, you weren't allowed in banking or, or the kinds of blue blood banks that were running everything. So the Jews created their own investment banks like right. Lehman Brothers, like Goldman Sachs, etc. So the country's always been in one or another groups responding and adjusting to a cancel culture of one form or the other. Correct. And we're seeing it again. And, and guess what? We're all adapting and we're all responding and we're all fighting it. And that's the American way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's take and it. I will say, I will say this is a victim of the me too thing. Yeah. I think the me too thing is a good it, it, overall. I really mean this. I've said yeah. it I, and I've said it privately plenty. The me too movement. I like it. You know why I like it? Because it, 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 gives women recourse to problematic fucking assholes right. who took advantage of women. I like that. Right. I, I, I believe in fair play. I can't stand a bully. I can't stand people that take advantage of their power. And that is what happened. And so like any revolution, it needs its young, like any revolution, it leaves innocent bodies by the road. Mm -hmm. But overall I've talked to other people that have been me too. This is a good movement. When you have a daughter, I don't have to worry about certain things with my daughter. Sure. And that's thanks to those black women that started this and thanks to the other women that carried the torch. So, you know, I get it. I get it. It's a, it's, it's, it's not, that is not the enemy. Uh, when, when a group of people get together and go, this sucks. Fuck you. We're fighting back. I'm a fan, especially if it makes the world more accountable and honest. I support it. I just hope your daughter at some point wishes you a happy father's day and gives you a gift and acknowledges how much you do for her. Uh, what's the next question we have? <laughs> I, I go on my rest. Great hair. Love great it. hair. Like Huge. What's up? Man, What's up, young lion? Time. Thank you for everything you do for us young men out here. I am currently trying to make some, some daddy gains here. Ooh. Um, wow. Daddy gains. I've some issues with uh, marriage in the past, so I just kind of wanted... Uh, your idea of the marriage construct of this dichotomy of male and female and um, how you feel about marriage. Um, 
follow-up question. Let's hear both of you guys' top three hottest women in Hollywood. <laughs> love this guy. I love this motherfucker. All right. He's he's got a sensational hairline. Well, uh, he's a he's a man lion. He's a man, he's a man lion. lion. That's right. That's a man lion. Before a James Bond film begins, he should be in that MGM logo just roaring. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fucking um, exactly. Well, in congrats on your marriage. Man. I think you and I both might have different opinions on this, but what would you say, Brian? I think every 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 society throughout history, mm-hmm. literally has recognized some kind of a formal union between a man and a woman. Right. Um, it's recent now that, you know, we, we have, we recognize uh, same sex unions, which I'm, I've always been a supporter of and a fan of because I think if two people love each other, let them, let them tie that knot. Right. Um, and I, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, um, you take anybody, you take hockey players, athletes that have, you know, they, they have, they, they run it hard. Every woman likes them. If you ever see like an NHL team in suits, they, all the women want to have sex with them. Let me say it again. Yeah. All the women want to have sex with them. You see formula one drivers, all the women want to have sex with them. Yeah. You see the big time soccer players, David Beckham, all the women. Well, let me say it again. Not, not some, not some, all the oh. women want to have sex with them. Yeah. All the women, even the punters, all the women want to have sex with them. Ready? And guess what? They get married. Yeah. They, at the end of the day, they fucking get married. Why? Because there's always that one gal that gets under your skin. There's always that one gal you fall in love with. There's always that thing that happens to you where you go, ah, fuck, man. Yeah. This is my girl. Yeah. And for, a, for whatever reason. And then, and then people say, well, society makes you get married. Yeah, but that's been going on from the beginning of time. Yeah. And then you have children and you, have, you take on responsibility. And what that means is that someone else's happiness, fulfillment, safety, future is more important than your fucking own. <laughs> you fucking ain't an island anymore. And it sucks. But yet we do it. Yet we do it because it's somewhere in the back of our lizard brains. We know yeah. it's probably better for us than being a fucking island. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but it makes me angry. Well, I'll tell you, the greatest film you could watch about that, and it's it's about, about a boy with Hugh Grant. No Man is an Island is how the film starts off. And the film is about him falling in love. It's not about him finding a girl. It's about this kid that he ends up befriending, and this kid teaches him what love is. It's great and movie. what it's it's one of the best films you could find about being a guy, just being a guy that's single roaming the world. And I remember a turning point for me was I was I don't want to say who the comic was, but he was in his 50s at the time. And I was at the comedy store and he was bragging to me and he he was 50, but he looked 60. He looked haggard, just running it hard for 30, 40 years. And he told me, man, I was just overseas. I banged this 20 year old. It was great. I was like I was looking at him like. It was just like, it was like creepy. Like, like it was an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I, that night stuck with me. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. And I, at the time I was getting tired of just running out, talking, have the same conversations with different faces. And I was like, 
I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I want some stability. I want somebody great in my life. And and lo and behold, I put it out there in the universe. And I, I was uh, rewarded very shortly with meeting my wife, Jessica, who I've been together with uh, for 14 years now. Well, that's adorable. You said you put it out there in the universe so we can't be friends anymore. But I'll tell you this. Uh, fucking um, now that you ruined the podcast, l- let me say this. There's a there's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel called Independence Day. Get yeah. it on Audible and fucking listen to Richard Poe. I think that's his name narrated yeah. into your brain. And one of the things that Richard Ford, who's one of my favorite writers of all time, and he is he, he goes, uh, he, the character said, I don't want to be in 40 something a little too tan. Uh, a little too muscular in my convertible with nothing to control. Yeah. And he's basically thankful for his divorce and his emotionally troubled teenager Mm -hmm. because it forces him to contend with things that are not of himself. It forces him to dig deep into muscles. He doesn't use the muscle of patience, the muscle of selflessness. And there comes great understanding. Great understanding comes from responsibility. Mm-hmm. Great understanding comes from having to be selfless. Great understanding and wisdom comes from having to put your own emotions and desires under a fucking lid. Can you tell I can't stand it? But it's 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 what I have had to do kicking and screaming because I'm a selfish. I like being the center of attention. Sure. And, you know, I'm trying to write a whole fucking stand up thing about how I, I don't know how to connect with my kids because they're young and. They they're into shit I'm not into like video games and stuff. So, but yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's like, I think in that sense, marriage has great merit or let me just say this. You ain't escaping it. You're not getting out of it. Oh, I've got just a girlfriend. We're not getting married. Cool, dude. That's great. You still got a girlfriend and you still got to fucking contend with another human being in your life because well, you want it on some right. level. Not only do you want it, you need it. Or let's put it this way, Steve. Maybe there's a difference between what you want, which is cocaine and all the hookers, <laughs> and then what you fucking need, which is monogamy. True. And that's not easy either. It's like Dove Davidoff said, ah, oh, yeah, Manny Pacquiao, he was champion in eight different divisions. Let's see him try monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walked out of the room. And it's right. It's right. It's, a, it's all fucking you, hard. I think... Having kids, especially look, it's not for everybody. I get it. There's some people that are just adverse to it. They don't want him. But uh, I have kids. I love them. And I'll tell you, I am the best version of myself around my children. Yeah. I'm constantly biting my tongue. I'm not saying things I don't want to say. I'm mild mannered. I uh, I'm incredibly polite. I and I'm trying to lay the blueprint for them to say, this is what is expected of you when your last name is B-Y-R-N-E. And it's a tradition my father passed on to me. I hope to pass on to them. And it's because I'm with them. And if I wasn't, I'd be sleeping all day, eating like shit, uh, barely giving the the bare minimum to my profession. Because the minute I got married, I I understood, oh, I'm obligated to her and I've got to provide for them. And it became the biggest motivating factor in my life. Once, once I saw, especially my daughter, I was like, I got to work my ass off now. And, and there's a great song that Sinatra sang as he's daydreaming about what his first child's going to be. I think it's called soliloquy or whatever, but it, it, it's fascinating. Any, anybody who's about to have a kid, look this song up. It, it's, it's one of the best. Awesome. 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 
Well, take one more question. What do you think? Take one more question, man. I'm yeah, loving didn't this. Fully answer that question, though. Oh, but, we got um, he, the, the oh thank you, Anthony. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brian, what are yours? You go ahead first. Fuck. Well, it's always been Rose McGowan. Um, uh, she's become uh, a Beatrice Madhouse. Do you remember that in New York City? No, she did. Yeah, she was super, super sweet. She was dating that guy who was who ran Men's Fitness, that magazine. I think uh, Rose McGowan is the sexiest woman of all time. Um, she's, you know, she's gone on her thing now. I don't know. But um, I just uh, anyway. So Rose McGowan, um, uh, the sexiest women in Hollywood of all time. Uh, Christina Hendrickson. I saw her in person once yeah. and I couldn't control. I couldn't handle it. She was the most beautiful thing I'd ever. I was just like. I should have said something to her. I just should have yeah. said, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. Cause she was, yeah. and, and these people are also cool and they got it together. And then, um, and then, and then, I mean, I, I don't like, I don't, I'm not crazy about JLo's personality, but physically I think she's just perfection, oh, but forget God. that. No, no, I don't like her. I don't like her personality. Oh. So no, she seems but, like, Oh yeah, God. yeah, so yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. She just no. seems like it. I don't know if she is. Yeah, I, I just I, I pick up some vibes. You know who I always found I mean? so I found so sexy and just kind of in a tomboy of Kristen Stewart from the vampire movies. I always thought she was just like oh. really. Oh, she's just yeah. She's so I don't know. She's such a ethereal kind of waif and something about her. But I don't know. I, I'll keep you. You tell me and I might I might get hit with. I'll tell you what. I'm going to be honest with you. Young Madonna killed me. I loved young Madonna. Young Madonna. I thought, was pretty awesome. She was so hot. Yeah. I'm going to go with young Madonna. The hottest um, of all. I mean, I, I loved her. Uh, so I would say, uh, look, I, I think Marilyn Monroe for a reason. Um, she's still like I, I i have my kids watch musicals and and she's gentlemen prefer blonde she's unbelievable uh rita, rita hayworth i think is one of the most stunning women ever and then, how about some how about some names that our audience will know you fucking are we in a museum <laughs> rita hayworth hey well, guys google to, that i'm trying how to give contemporary names i'm trying to give you names of your generation brian that you would you appreciate son of a bitch our our listeners are 25 um present God. day yeah I dude yeah say, dude oh i want to get in a time is, machine is really she's she's dealing obviously with a lot of health issues i believe it's ms but uh selma blair oh, okay. um she's a i, I think just a, a really stunning looking that sucks actress. that she's dealing with ms i didn't know that yeah i follow her on instagram and she's you know obviously quite an inspiration for anybody dealing with the with those issues but but she seems to have a a, a great like that sucks. said about it all yeah. and very inspiring oh man i, I wish her well who yeah. else uh besides she, somebody with ms Fucking, I, <laughs> fucking i don't know i've never see i used to have a joke about this 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 was my joke it's like you know you go to a madison square garden yeah, and girls yeah. will see like you know 21 pilots or they'll go see the killers or yeah. whatever band you love and there's a thousand girls trying to get backstage there's a thousand girls trying to get backstage to bang one of those guys okay yeah you go to see madonna or Katy perry or uh, Spice Girls. I'm yeah. trying to think of a girl group. By the way, Katy Perry turns is, is, is delicious. Yes. So hot. There are no guys trying to get backstage. Do you know why? 
because the girl selling popcorn is just as cute as Katy Perry to any red blooded man. It's like, why would I put in all that effort when that girl is just as cute? And there's probably less work I have to do to us. So I'll just try to talk to her. I've never looked at girls in Hollywood like, oh my God, be so great. It's like, there's a girl that works at the gas station that I think is just as cute. And I probably have as better of a chance and I'll probably be happier. So that's yeah. why. <laughs> all right. I like it. All right. Thanks a lot, dude, for not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave you some. I gave you some. All right. All hey, right. Very Clooney, I think. Okay. Here we go. Whoa, that's a strong face. Is this question is only from guys with great hair? I know. It's fantastic. Go ahead. <laughs> What's going on, Steve? El Scorpion. My name is Blake, and I have a question from a young man. I believe Wittgenstein said that only the most horrible yet profound ideas could truly be discussed through the avenue of humor. So my first question to you is, why do you think that's so? Beyond a comedian's, a good comedian's ability to make something like that uh, a little more palatable, why do you think that, that is true? My second question, why do you think so many people are overlooking that? Is it intentional? Are they just completely missing it? Do they not have anything else going on in their lives? So all they do is sit at home and get upset and tweet about people because they're sad about their own shit and not pursuing their dreams. I think that's a, an incredible question. And I would, I would answer it by saying this to his first point. I think that some of the greatest payoffs in comedy are from taboo subjects. Um, and usually taboo is, is on, start, start again. You, you glitched, you glitched, you glitched. Start um, again. I, I think some of the greatest jokes, the biggest payoff for some of the greatest jokes are because you're talking about taboo subjects, subjects you shouldn't be addressing, things you shouldn't talk about. And for example, I'm sure there's incredibly well-crafted jokes about the situation about George Floyd. Now, the, that's to a second point. Why are people not talking about it? People aren't talking about it because they're scared to, because of our last question, because of cancel culture. I think there's going to be a lot of people that say, you can't talk about that. That's not funny. You can't find the humor in that. And I think it's what you're seeing now to a small degree in the comedy clubs from people like myself, especially. I've been hearing it more and more after my shows of like, man, you went to some places that I didn't think would pay off. And I think that that's the challenge these days as a comic is we are we are the purveyors of freedom of speech, at least those of us that really, truly appreciate this, this occupation as a living. So I think it's our responsibility at least to try to breach that subject at some point in our, in our, um, you know, in, in the time we share on stage with those people, at least I'm trying to do that more often. And I think when you do it, the payoff is people sit there and go, oh, my God, he can't, he can't. Oh, my God, he just did it. And I think that's what you that's what I'm starting to see a lot more from comics. Uh, I'm just one of many that are out there doing things like that. And I'm seeing a lot from a lot of the New York guys, which I which I like to see. Yeah, I think, um, you know, by the way, Wittgenstein, thank you for mentioning Wittgenstein. Be careful reading people like Wittgenstein, who was living at a time when the world was truly in tumult and about to go into a crazy spiral of of slaughter and and sanity. But also, I think it was Wittgenstein who's like three of his brothers committed suicide. I mean, the suicide of his family was out of control. He was suicidal. This is a very depressed guy. But but the 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 
the question, I, I think that a lot of times humor allows us an escape hatch. Yeah. Like it gives us an ability to kind of at least run out the door if shit gets too much. Because let's be honest, some questions are too much to face. Like sure. You bring up abortion. And, I, you know, I don't I don't get into that conversation because I don't know how to argue either side. Like if you right. tell me a, a woman shouldn't have a right to choose, I got a big problem with that. But then yep. you say to me, oh, yeah, well, well, um, if it's just a clump of cells, aren't you just a bigger clump of cells? What happens when the baby's viable after three weeks and we have the technology or five weeks, 10 weeks? I don't want to get into that argument, man. I get profoundly uneasy and I, yeah. and I don't want, and I, and I know I'm being inconsistent philosophically, morally, religious, maybe, but I guess you're right. I'm an asshole. I guess you're right. I I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I fall on the side of, of giving a woman's right to choose to do with her body, what she wants, because are you going to take care of that child? She's going right. to be the one who has to take care of that child or someone is. And unless you're willing to, then I, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. So that's where I come down on abortion. But there are questions that are hard to, because as human beings, when we get cornered, what you're really saying is what you're really asking people with ideas like that is you're really saying, are you willing to fight for the death? Are you willing to fight to the death for this? Are you willing to fight right. for this? Because because there are ideas all of us are willing to die for in one way or another. And they are, I mean, or at least fight to the death or, and if we don't, we know we're cowards. We know that we're right. slaves. We know that we're the subjects of someone else. And so it, we don't want to face that either. I don't want to face having yeah. to sacrifice my life. And I don't want to have to face the fact that I'm not willing to sacrifice my life because I'm a slave and a bitch. And to his point, that's, that's, that's the question is, are comics willing to draw a line in the sand and go, I'm willing to risk my career, my livelihood on this joke? Well, you don't have to. have to. Sometimes the joke is so funny that it's just like, yeah, like Bill Burr has an abortion joke that we were all like, holy fuck. But it was so funny yeah. that no matter whether you were pro-choice, pro-life, you had to laugh. And what he did sure. was he goes, he, what he was saying was, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. But this is what it is. And so. You know, great comics can put a very radioactive idea out there or a radioactive question and have you laughing your ass off. Sure. Rogan does it all the time with the transgender thing. So that is kind of you're right, Steve. That's that's the job of the satirist of the comic. Yeah. And, and that's why comedy, if it's taken seriously, is as important as any philosophy that's been written in some ways. It's not sure, true, but I like saying dramatic shit. <laughs> there you go. I love. By the way, I'm loving this. I'm loving this podcast, and this is the new podcast where we're going to be taking questions. Yes, I could do this shit all fucking day. Yeah, and you guys, we're going to be doing this at least once a week, at least. Yeah. So, and the more questions you give us, if we have, if we have like a bunch of questions, Steve and I are going to do this. I'm willing to do it twice a week. I'd love to. I love. I, I love. Yeah, this I love this. Shit. We did. We did an episode two or three ago where we took a bunch. So of much fun. And Callan and I, we were driving back just saying how much fun we had. And it was because of you guys, because of the questions you guys have been posing us in comment sections. I see them. So uh, throw, and, throw it out in the universe. <laughs> I'm hey, sorry Anthony, I said that. Okay. Anthony, when are we dropping the one we did where we took questions? 
This coming Monday. This coming Monday on Patreon? Yeah. it's a, No, it's not on Patreon uh, as of yesterday. Okay. It'll be out YouTube on Monday. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube everywhere on Monday, actually. All right. So we're good. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I, we have more questions, but I'm going to leave them till next week. And we want to get more. And this way, let's see. Because if we stack them up, I want to do, I'll do two hours of this shit. Yeah. I'm down. I love it. And uh, I miss seeing you in the studio. Obviously, there's our first kind of remote one. But thank you, Anthony, our producer, for making this happen. He walked yep. me through everything the other day. It was awesome. Uh, it was trial awesome. by fire. But I certainly miss you, Brian. And uh, miss you too, buddy. Dates, Let's plug our dates. And by the way, we're going to get um, we're going to have uh, Big and Hungry logos behind us and all that shit, too. I, this is just a new look because we're going to be traveling and doing this, too. I can't wait. Yeah, I'll be uh, July 15th through the 17th. I'll be in San Diego at the Laugh Factory. Very excited about that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting out to, to SoCal. And then uh, August 5th through the 8th, I'll be at Side Splitters in Tampa, Florida. Very excited to get there. And then I'm doing the grand opening of the Milwaukee Improv. And that is August 19th through the 21st. And then August 26th through the 28th, I'll be at Oxnard Levity Live. So I'll be excited to be back in Southern California and I'll get to hang out with the Mandragon himself and Anthony in studio. Yeah. Later, kids. That was great, dude.